0: Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard is here, and Stephen, as always, we'll start with the currencies and commodities. How's everything going? Because the, you know, the, the, the C-word at the moment has got the whole world in a bit of its hither.
1: Is C it affecting word? Yeah, coronavirus? Uh, it's definitely affecting the, the markets around the world. Um, the Australian market's been uh, Thursday, so it's been up two days and down two days. Unfortunately, the downs have been more than the ups, right. so, so we're, we're net down this week at the moment.
0: All righty. Well, there's some turbulent times ahead. Where are we sitting at the moment?
1: Um, so the gold price, which is surprising, the gold price, you would have thought that was going up, but it, but it was dropped $59.35 on well, last week. Wasn't that up?
0: Last week when we uh, did this? Previous week yeah. it was up,
1: yeah, yeah, But you would have thought it was continuing to go up, but yeah. So it's $2,438 an ounce um, uh, as of yesterday, and the crude oil price was down $3.23 a barrel to $77.96. Um, the currency is a bit all over the place. Last week we were down. This week we're back up a bit. The... Uh, Australian dollar is, uh, against the US dollar, 66.25 uh, US. Uh, against the Great British Pound, we're 51.48 um, pence. And against the euro, we're 50, 59.51 euro cents. So um, the currencies are generally up a little bit. Uh, the equity markets, um, compared to last week, um, the all-ordinaries were down are 389 points, which is about 5%. Um, so the S&P 500 which is which was actually up 5% on the week to 3130 and the UK FTSE index was um, up 90.2 points to 6815 so so you know the Australian market's probably been the worst performer during the last week
0: yeah and i guess for the for the most part not really a big surprise
1: Not really the big surprise that yeah the Chinese market are probably even worse. You would think so, yeah. They've
0: got and what a (laughs) market they have to lose. Yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, and some stocks that local people invest in, um, BHP uh, is down a dollar fifty three in the week to thirty three dollars and sixty cents. CBA was down uh, almost eight, almost 9% to $77.11. Um, NIB, the local health fund, was down uh, $0.24 cents to $4.45. And Telstra was actually up $0.04 cents to
0: $3.48. And uh, Henry Jennings from uh, uh, Marcus today. And Henry, as yes, we get into the stories of the week, we've got to make sure for the uh, the bathrooms in your workplace, you've got enough loo paper, you're all sorted?
2: Um, yep, I think we're... I think we've got that one covered.
0: You didn't race out like everybody else in the last 48 hours and stock up?
2: I've never heard anything so ridiculous in all my life. It's just. Yeah, every Hollywood movie on disasters and dystopian worlds, um, you, they focus on fuel and food and whatever, but who would have thought that loo paper would be part of the plot and that uh, we would be rushing out to buy toilet paper? Well, not Crazy. We, not we. I didn't. <laughs> some people, I haven't.
0: Some people.
1: I, I went to the, because the, the, I can vaguely remember some company with a funny name, Manufactured Toilet Paper in Australia, but I'm, they've actually sold that business, it appears. So.
2: Yeah, but they, they did sell it, but it's still made in Australia. We've still got two big plants, sorbent. There was Alasio. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, which made it uh, made the toilet paper, and they sold it um, sorbent. Um, uh, I think it's still made in Box and in Victoria, and there's yeah, another yeah, plant as in well. But,
1: both. but I was yeah. looking for someone to make some money
2: on it. <laughs> well, um, the interesting thing was, the last year actually, the share price went up when there was all these rumours of the toilet roll um, debacle, um, which seems a bit weird because they don't actually make no. them anymore. The world, the world has gone mad. Let's face it, coronavirus is the is the Y two K of um,
1: of the 21st century. And uh, the reserve banks, uh, you know, kind of reacted maybe, by cutting, by cutting interest rates another 25 basis points. Yeah,
2: well, they, they obviously had to be seen to be doing something, I'm afraid. So um, the easiest thing to do was to cut uh, interest rates. The US, of course, has done the same. The Federal Reserve cut their rates by half a percent. Uh, Bank of Canada did the same thing. Europe can't because it's already got pretty much zero. Um, the UK is still mulling it over. Um, but we cut by 25 basis points, and the and the Prime Minister was uh, very um, very keen for the banks to pass on the full 25 basis points in full. So um, they all the big four did that. So um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, a, another another rescue job from um, from the central banks. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: So so I don't know. That it's going to do much good, though. Really.
2: Well, it obviously gives you more money in your pocket to go and buy those toilet rolls, which are probably getting more expensive on eBay now.
1: Yeah, $1,000, I see.
2: Yes, it's a lot of money. I'd, I'd imagine the B day sales are doing well at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I don't know if we can really um, say that um, cuts to interest rates are really going to change people's mindset. Uh, what has been far more effective, especially in the U.S., is an uh, outline of uh, stimulus packages targeted at small and medium-sized businesses and various other things, and the IMF as well, um, allocating a huge amounts of money to uh, undeveloped or underdeveloped um, health systems in, in some of the second and third world countries
1: around the world that probably don't have the resources that uh, others have. Mm. So what, 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 what stocks are likely to be affected by this COVID
2: um, virus, you reckon? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's not so much the virus that affects the stocks, it's the, it's the, the authorities' reaction and the, uh, the rules they put in place clearly travel stocks. Um, and we've seen that with the likes of corporate travel, Webjet and Flight Centre, etc., all been under a lot of pressure. Anything related to tourism um, is also problematic. Uh, anything related to um, the supply chain into China and demand out of China, we've seen that with Treasury wine estates. People aren't going to be buying Penfolds when they're holed up at home, um, fighting for their lives. So um, those sorts of stocks, and of course, The other big daddy out there for Australia is education stocks, and we've seen that with um, IDP education. They've been, um, despite the fact that they came out and said that they weren't really that affected, um, the share price has been. So um, it's kind of a roundup. It's a bit like um, Claude Rains in um, Casablanca, roundup the usual suspects. And um, yeah, that's certainly very true with travel, tourism, and education being our biggest hits in terms of market perception at the moment. Is there any... Beneficiaries? Um, Yeah, there are. I think there are. Well, certainly in America, some of the beneficiaries have been things like um, Netflix and Amazon. Uh, Everyone's going to be sitting at home in their self-imposed quarantine watching Netflix like crazy. Amazon, of course, delivers, so you don't have to go outside, so that's been uh, good for them. Um, But here in Australia, there's been a number of, um, I guess, um, speculative biotech stocks that have been involved in... uh, in some sorts of treatments for uh cv19 uh zunu group is one of those which um has uh, a sort of an anti um, antibacterial approach to it and there's a number of other ones as well that have been doing relatively uh, well zunu's done very well and the others that have been doing relatively well if they've got even something vaguely that kills the virus and can um you know wipe down door handles or or whatever um so those have been the winners. They have been few and far between, I have to say. Uh, certainly, this um,
1: this last week or so. Say so that the the bigger cheese, the big the big cheese, the the um, dividend got cut and the profits fell a bit, and the stock price fell, and then it bounced back.
2: Um, another, well, I think this is more bushfires than coronavirus. Um, but yes, certainly it had a bit of a bit of a, a pull down uh, when it first announced its results. and Then there was a bit of a rethink. Um, there, So I guess the market's looking forward now uh, through the drought and through the bushfires uh, into rebuilding and maybe a, a, a brighter future for Bega. Certainly it's been, um, it's been raining again here today and apparently it's raining in all the right places as well. So so much for the weather forecast that we wouldn't see any rain till May. Um, it doesn't seem to have stopped raining since about... Um, end of January. Um, so, yes, they, they've, they've um, recovered all their loss on the results, so not looking too bad at the moment, that's for sure.
1: And then uh, Harvey Norman's profit was down by 4% as a result of the bushfires over the Christmas period?
2: Uh, yes. Um, I, I guess we, um, Harvey Norman is uh, much maligned and much shorted by the market. Um, no one is really a big fan of Jerry, and there has been some um, discussion, shall we say, over the years about the, uh, the accounts and the way he does his accounting. And certainly um, it was a seriously big casualty uh, after its results. Um, it dropped from uh, around $4.80 and currently with $3.60. So it's been uh, it's been a mighty big plunge for them. And, of course, uh, the coronavirus, the droughts, the bushfires, the hail, etc., has been uh, a big factor in those results and that drop for them, for
1: sure. Mm. And then, of course, the reject shop, it's... Uh Profit's down 10%, I think, and uh, it's announced a new share of share.
2: Uh, yeah, the, re- the reject shop's a funny one, actually. It, it, it tends to do well in, in, in worse times, shall we say, in bad mm-hmm. times. And it's not uh, obviously not the sort of luxury end of the market, so it has done historically relatively well in in bad times. But again, the result season coupled with this um, extreme volatility that we've seen coming out of uh, the US and our markets recently has has certainly taken its toll on the reject shop. Just to give you an idea, um, out of the last uh, seven trading sessions in the Dow in the US, it has moved. Thousand points on five of those days, Nothing which out. which is a lot. So um, yes, it's um, you know the reject shop is not alone. It's not Robinson Crusoe being sold off. They are doing a twenty five million dollar equity raising, uh, which I guess does put some pressure on them as well. Um, but the sales weren't too bad. I mean, we even saw Myers out today with their their numbers, which um, were actually re- remarkably not that bad. Um, it just, just shows that uh, maybe all is not lost perhaps in the departments. They weren't stunning um, but certainly compared to some retailers they, uh, they don't seem to be going backwards anyway. The share price is actually unchanged today so Soli will be relatively happy I'd imagine with the, the
0: Henry you you mentioned all is not lost while well, you've been talking there to Stephen I've just done some research on uh, yep. on toilet paper that's been on made its way to some of the uh, online marketplaces Oh yeah How about a 24 pack for $500 Well
2: no Not not for me no, no? I there's, there's there's other things i think I'd rather do with um, with $500 um, all right, I, could, I got. Another, I could just pop over the road to the two dollar shop and, and buy four rolls for
0: two bucks. I got another one, a pack of twenty for a thousand and twenty-five, twenty-six bids on that. Or there is one single roll for five dollars with a bid on it. What do you reckon? We'll go that way instead. I think that's.
2: I think it's just all got ridiculously <laughs> out of control, hasn't it? It's, it's just crazy.
0: Henry, have a great day, and you'll be back with Stephen next Thursday on Thursday Finance. I awesome.
2: oh, will indeed.
0: Thanks, guys. Stephen, uh, time for a, another guest this afternoon.
1: Yeah, so we've got uh, LJ Collier who's the state manager of uh, Alan Grey Australia, and he's going to talk to us about a bit about contrarian investing.
0: And might I say, he's actually showing us all up. I mean, you've got your open neck shirt. on. <laughs> I'm still in a T T shirt. And yeah. this bloke's uh, been out there styling and profiling suit yeah. tie, although your ties are we... a touch crooked. So oh, we'll, we'll fault yeah, you on we'll that. Have to. Yeah. He
1: used to be able to get away with that until it started getting streamed. On That's um, true. That's true. That's right. Okay. But
0: if you're looking for the webcam, it's the the best
3: dressed bloke in the
1: room for sure. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. Thanks, Stephen. It's good to be here. Yeah, so so Alan Gray is a, a fund manager who's been in Australia for a while. They're from um, South Africa originally they started, and they're kind of regarded as a contrarian investor. So what does all yeah. that mean?
3: Yeah, so um, I mean I can't hide the accent, unfortunately. It's makes uh, me think you were from Stockton. I thought that's what the <laughs> accent was. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's actually from North Shore, Sydney, basically. So, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, Alan started the business in 1973, and when he started the business, he said. Well, we can't do what everybody else is doing and expect to deliver our clients a better-than-market result. And so um, what he did was he said uh, the best way to beat the market is to go and find stocks that are unloved, out of favor, uh, not researched by other people or people just saying, I've had enough. The stock has performed poorly. Just sell it. Um, and, and, And he actually went and did the work. Uh, figured out what this company is really worth um, and what the company can earn sustainably going forward, and then invested in those stocks. And if we hold them for the long term, uh, then uh, it's it's delivered really good results for our clients. So,
1: and so so is this is this. Um is is this style of investing more risky than 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 other styles yeah, that we so, hear about?
3: Yeah, so so it depends on how you view risk. Uh, so if you view risk as being different to everybody else, then yes, it's definitely risky. If you view risk. From a volatility perspective, well, our strategy has actually performed pr- pretty much in line uh, with the market from a volatility side, and so, so I think the traditional sense of 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 risk in the financial world, world really is around volatility, and uh, we've only been more volatile than the market in periods of time where we've significantly outperformed the market, um, and so so. Yes, it just depends on how you view risk. We view risk as a permanent loss of capital, and we actually kind of work our way through that by doing all our own research we not buying in any research. We do all our own research as to what something is really worth.
1: So you've got your own research, team. You don't rely on the Breaker research or the Morningstar research or who else you can you can buy? Yes.
3: In fact, we don't even have economists working for us. Um, we've got uh, nine analysts in our office um, down in Sydney in Martin Place. You're welcome to come and visit us. Um, and uh, they they actually just look at the businesses um, that we will find attractive or interesting at the time. So their job is to go and analyze the individual companies, find out what they're really worth, find out what these companies can earn sustainably going forward. And if the, the, the share price is trading at, at below what it's really worth, we'll, we'll, we'll start buying that company.
1: So how do you actually get to selecting what's in the portfolio? You look at like, yeah. like hundreds of Businesses or
3: Yeah, so, so uh, if you come to our office, we've got uh, our nine analysts' uh, names on a very sophisticated whiteboard in our office. Um, and they have two spots that they can put stocks that they're really interested in. We don't tell our analysts what to look for, wh- what stocks to look at. They basically go and find the, the stocks that they find interesting, things that have typically kind of stumbled a little bit, fallen a lot.
0: What does that process actually look like? How do I mean, you, like you said, they come in with a fresh slate. Yes. How do you decide what to look at it and how do you even go about that?
3: Yeah. So, so um, if, you, if you think of uh, a simple example would be if you go and try and buy a house and you rock up at the auction and you're one of 30 people there, you, chances are you're going to pay market price for that house. You might even pay more than that market price for that house, depending on how good the auctioneer is. If you're the only person rocking up to that auction, chances are you could probably pick it up for less than market value. And so that's the places that we like to go and have a look at, where we are the only buyers or or seemingly people that look at trying to buy that that company it typically happens after a company has stumbled a little bit some of the companies have disappointed over the long run um, then we go and f- figure out what this thing is really worth figure out uh, how, is their, their earnings sustainable can they make money going forward for our clients um, and so and so if we believe that there's a big enough discount that's when we actually step in and, and
1: start buying these companies so, the companies that you buy are bigger, a bigger discount, are they, they themselves riskier, or is it just that people get sick of them and then throw them away?
3: Yeah, so uh, again, um, like for example, 18 months ago, we, we started buying Telstra. Um, people hated Telstra. At that point in time, the NBN was going to take uh, a big chunk of their business away. Uh, but if you, if you just look over time and, and ignore the market noise, Uh, of the current moment, and you say, what can they sustainably earn going forward? You should have a pretty decent investment. And so I haven't had many questions on Telstra, well, in the last six months, really, because the stock price has done so well. Uh, If you look at the top 10 stocks that we own currently today, they are out of favor. They're not not fun companies to be in, Um, but they might be better for our clients in four to six years' time.
1: So we talked about... uh um, how you've got the team of analysts, and and how often do they get the the stock picks wrong?
3: Wow. Okay, uh, go with the the, the tough <laughs> question first. The tough question. So place, yeah. um, uh, I think uh, w- we track these things. We we're, we're obsessed by uh, performance and and trying to deliver better results for our clients than the market. So how we track this is we say. If something um, does better than the market, it's a good thing. If it does worse than the market, it's a bad thing. And so we get about 60% of our calls that actually deliver better results than the market. Um, 60% doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, if you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you, hey, um, 60% of my patients that walk out here actually walk out alive. You'll never go back to that doctor. <laughs> but but if you, if you look at a different anecdote, for example, uh, the best tennis player in our kind of Uh, recent history would probably be someone like Roger Federer, right? So if you look at all his points that he's won in his professional career, it's only been 56%. And he is by far not one of the top three tennis players of our current era. So so 60% is not a bad strike rate if you look at it that way. Saying that, I mean, the 40% that we do get wrong, it doesn't mean they go to zero. It just means that they've underperformed the market. And so obviously we want to get, 100% one hundred percent calls right it 's not possible in a world uh, with uncertainty. I mean if we did, I would probably be on a boat in Bermuda somewhere or something like that but uh, yeah that 's
1: right and so how long do you typically hold a stock for
3: yeah so so when we look to invest in stocks we we look to own uh, we look at a business as a whole um, and we try we, we try and think about. If this business delists tomorrow, now we hope it never happens, but if it delists tomorrow, would we be happy owners of this business going forward forever? So that's the way that our mentality works. But if you look at kind of like how long um, in our history here in Australia, we've been around since 2005, managed money for clients since 2006, Uh, the average typical holding period for for companies that we buy into is 4.25 years. So it's longer than the average manager in the market. Um, But, well, we would hope that it's one year and one day to get past the capital gains tax things. When it's reached its fair value, we could sell it out. But um, unfortunately, while the markets don't work in an an exact science or straight line, um, it takes us a, a little while to actually realize that value that we we see. So it's not a
1: short-term trading operation, basically?
3: No, no. And, and, in fact, the nine analysts that we have in Sydney, I mean, uh, if you think about it, that we own fewer stocks and we don't turn over that many, they only have to come up with one individually, one, maybe two good ideas a year. Um, so they're working 40 hours a week, um, every week of the year, trying to find these stocks that will outperform the market. I like the sound of that. Go to the boss and say one oh, one good idea for the year.
0: I'm done. Yes,
3: pretty That's... much. Uh, uh, we wish it works that. Year what do you guys fun? put on
0: that whiteboard down there? Nothing. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> well, well. We wish it 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 works straightforward and simple just to find one idea and you can go on holiday. But um, unfortunately, it takes a hell of a lot of work to actually get to that idea. So we
1: have got an example of one of the stocks in the holding that you've held for a while? Yeah,
3: yeah. So um, one of the stocks that we've been holding for a while now has been Newcrest. Um, It's our second largest or third largest stock that we own in the portfolio. Um, So we've been holding Newcrest for, for quite some time now. Um, it was trading uh, in the early two thousand and tens around about forty bucks, and and so it got rocked by massive losses, and it traded down to fourteen dollars, and we started looking at this company. At $12, we started buying, and we thought, "Geez, this is great buying opportunity. We're geniuses, and it dropped to 7 dollars 5 right? And so we continued buying in the weakness. Um, but uh, we held on to the stock, and, and it's done reasonably well for our clients of late. I think it's come off quite a bit, but, um, but it's still – uh, one of one of the, the the top holdings. We think it can. Yeah, it still yeah. has some. of the gold well stocks
1: on. have done quite well in the last two weeks.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, some fear gold. Gold's generally seen as a hedge against like really bad things in the world. So.
1: yeah Okay. Well, thanks for coming along, and uh, I think we're great. Thanks for having me. Pretty, yeah,
0: week. pretty much out of time. Thank you from Alan Gray Australia again. The state manager, L J Collie, will get you back down to your whiteboard, and we'll talk to you another time. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Mark. As always, Stephen Pritchard, he'll be back next week. Oddly enough, same time for another Thursday Finance. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.